The Productive Woman, Episode 264. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Thanks for joining me. In this episode, we're going to be talking about leadership. You'll find more information and links to some of the resources I mentioned all in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 264. This episode is brought to you by the University of California at Irvine Division of Continuing Education and by Blinkist. We've talked about Blinkist before. Remember, they've got a limited time special offer just for the Productive Woman listeners. If you visit Blinkist.com slash TPW to try Blinkist free for seven days, you will save 25% off your new subscription when you decide to subscribe. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash TPW to start that free seven-day trial and save 25%. I will talk a little more about them later, but right now I want to mention a little bit more about the University of California, Irvine Division of Continuing Education. It was established in 1962 and has served the lifelong learning and career development needs of individuals, organizations, and the community on a local, regional, and global scale ever since then. They provide learning pathways for those seeking career advancement or personal enrichment through a wide range of educational opportunities. They offer courses and certifications that are taught by industry practitioners in a range of categories from business and leadership, our topic today, to tech, project management, law, engineering, human resources, and over 60 convenient certificates and specialized studies programs on campus and online designed for the working professional. 100% online courses that they offer uh, provide convenience and flexibility and a real immersive online experience, even collaboration with your peers. So UCI Continuing Education can help you gain an edge in your career, make a career transition, or simply help you become more knowledgeable. They provide you with the flexibility to stay on top of your game in your current role while preparing you to level up. And open enrollment means there are no applications to complete. You just log in, sign up, pay for a single course, or enroll in an entire certification program. You have control over your academic plan. So give yourself the gift of education. You know, as I'm uh, recording this, it's still hot here in North Texas, but it's supposed to be turning cold soon. And um, we're going to start thinking about the holidays coming up. And during this season, it's easy to focus on gift giving for friends and family. And that's great. But don't overlook the value of investing in yourself. If you have career goals and aspirations for 2020, 
Now's the time to begin to invest in yourself and your career. Just visit ce.uci.edu slash productive woman, all one word, and enter the promo code TPW for 15% off one course. That's ce.uci.edu slash productive woman and the promo code TPW to get 15% off one course. And let me know if you sign up for a course and what you think of it. I'd love to hear from you about that. All right, let's get into our topic for the day. We're talking about leadership. And this is another one that I started thinking about it originally because of a conversation in the Productive Woman Community Facebook group. Somebody had asked a question about a new leadership role that she was moving into at work. And it just got me thinking about leadership in general and what it is and what it has to do with productivity in the sense of, you know, a a meaningfully productive life. And so I started doing some investigation and I'll say up front, I am not an expert on leadership. I, it, a lot of the questions that other people have asked are things that I struggle with myself, but it's an important topic to talk about for a lot of reasons. And so I did some research, as you know, I do, if you've listened to the show for very long and wanted to share my thoughts on this topic and some of what I found from people who know a lot more about leadership than I do. And you will find tons of links in the show notes for this episode to some really excellent resources. So be sure and check that out. Uh, Again, that uh, link is theproductivewoman.com slash 264. And you'll find links to some of the articles and books and things that I mentioned, as well as a lot more on these topics of leadership in general, uh, women in leadership, uh, and all those sorts of things. So check that out. Uh, I encourage you to have a look at that. So what is leadership? Well, you know me, I like to look at the meanings of words. And one dictionary definition that I found for leadership is simply the act of leading a group of people or an organization or the state or position of being a leader. Pretty straightforward, pretty simple. Some of the synonyms for the word leadership, other words that, um, that show up as meaning some, you know, meaning somewhat the same thing or some component of leadership are words like guidance, direction, control, management, superintendence, supervision, organization, or government. Also, Uh, governorship, governance, administration, thought that was interesting, captaincy, control. Hmm. That's, uh, I've got some thoughts there. Ascendancy, supremacy, rule, command, power, dominion, and influence. Um, So leadership can have components of all of those things, depending on the context that you're using the word in. Most of the time, I don't think we want to think of it as being dominion, but certainly leaders have influence and they exercise that influence. I did some uh, looking into uh, some of the theories of leadership and, and this, I say that 
I looked into it because I came across in some of my reading that uh, some stuff that said there are theories of leadership, which was something new for me. I didn't know there were. There's a whole lot of interesting information in in Wikipedia, if you want to look that up, that kind of summarizes different theories of leadership. And these are relevant kind of to the conversation that we'll have about leadership, about being a leader, um, they form a backdrop for it because these theories are out there and we've absorbed them to one degree or another. And there's a lot of discussion out in the world about some of these things right now, just because of things going on in the world. Uh, And so one of the, the sort of summary of some of the theories of leadership came, this comes out of Wikipedia. So the, the expert on all things, right? (laughs) Um, so there it says in the autocratic or paternalistic strain of thought, traditionalists recall the role of leadership of the Roman pater familias. Okay. So that it's kind of a, an autocratic paternalistic strain uh, or that theory of leadership is sort of top down. The person at the top is looking after everyone and leading from that position. And then this um, summary goes on to say feminist thinking on the other hand may object to such models as patriarchal and posit against them emotionally attuned, responsive and consensual empathetic guidance, which is sometimes associated with matriarchies. So those are like two polar opposite approaches or theories of leadership, one more paternalistic or, you know, what some would even say patriarchal, and the other one being the more emotionally attuned, the the consensual type of, of leadership that's associated with matriarchy. And then another theory or another approach or view of it, the, the summary said is comparable to the Roman tradition. So that paternalistic one, the views of Confucianism on what it quotes as right living relate very much to the ideal of the scholar leader and his benevolent rule buttressed by a tradition of filial piety. So that Confucianism, uh, that look at leadership, kind of comes from this idea of a scholar leader, someone who's thoughtful, leading from a position of intelligence and thought and leading benevolently, being a person who lives a good life and lives a pious life and leads from that perspective. So I thought those were kind of interesting. I don't know, um, you can think about how they might influence your thinking about what a leader is, uh, that there's the point, I guess, of all this is there's been a lot of study done about this and there's a lot written about it. From my perspective, I think it's, uh, in order to understand leadership and what we're talking about when we talk about a leader, I think it's helpful to differentiate between leadership and other sort of leader-like roles, like a boss or a manager. And I think they are different, and I'm not the only one who thinks so. I did come across, uh, as I was doing my research, several articles that talked about the difference between being a boss and being a leader, or the difference between being a manager and being a leader. And so 
there, as I said, though, you'll find links to some of these articles in the show notes if you want to do a little reading of your own to kind of inform your own thought of what a leader is. And so according to one of these articles, they kind of summarize what most of them said. So this one article said, a boss knows things, and this I'm paraphrasing here, knows things and imparts what it, what he or she knows to the employees, while a leader is always learning, including learning from those that she's leading. The, the, theories or the articles talk about that bosses give answers and give directions while leaders seek solutions. Bosses talk more than they listen while leaders listen more than they talk. Uh, Several of the, the writers said in so many words that bosses direct while leaders coach. And also that bosses require or demand results while leaders inspire performance. So I thought those were kind of interesting differentiations. You know, you think of a boss as someone who's sitting in his or her office, kind of just handing out directions and giving orders. And uh, whereas a leader, according to pretty much everything I read, and my own idea of what a leader is, is more in there with you, listening to you, taking feedback, giving direction, helping Uh, mold the direction of things and, and being a little more involved than a boss maybe would be. Similarly, as I said, there were articles that talked about the difference between a manager and a leader. And so again, several articles talked about this one in particular, an article in Forbes talked about nine differences between being a leader and a manager. One of the things that, that the article said, and others said similar things, leaders create vision while managers create goals. Okay. You can kind of see the difference there managers sort of have measurable targets in mind while leaders are creating a vision that can inspire us to take action. Uh, Another thing that the Forbes article said, and I'm quoting here, leaders are change agents, managers maintain the status quo. Uh, The article said that managers stick with what works, refining systems, structures, and processes to make them better. But then on the other hand, all the scholarly stuff or all the writing on this says, on the other hand, that leaders will innovate. So managers tend to take what exists and maybe refine it, but leaders will try new things that haven't been tried before and will innovate in ways that a manager won't. The article said that leaders are unique while managers copy. Um, leaders take risks while managers control risk. And I've really seen that to be the case. You know, when you've got a manager that's really measurement oriented and trying to just control any possibility for failure, where leaders are willing to try something that hasn't been tried before, knowing that it might fail, but you can learn from failure. And finally, uh, another key point that a lot of these articles said, uh, and the Forbes article summarized, was that leaders build relationships while managers build systems and processes. Now, can managers be leaders? Absolutely. I, I, I think all these articles are not talking about the title so much as the, the actual reality of the role. So no matter whether someone is, someone's title might be a manager, they might be managing or they might be leading. 
by all these different definitions. I hope I'm not fumbling that too much, making that clear that it's not talking about that anybody with a title of manager is only creating goals and maintaining the status quo and doing all these things. That's not necessarily true. The point is, whatever your title is, you can act in one of two ways. And I think most of us probably at any given time are a hybrid of the two. And when we are at our strongest, we step into that leader role and we are willing to do the things that leaders do. The And I'm, I've been talking about this kind of in the context of work. And most of the articles that I read in preparing for this episode and the books that I looked at are talking about leadership in a business context, but they apply across the board. So this difference between uh, between being a manager or a boss and a leader apply certainly at work, but they also apply at home and in other areas of our lives. Um, and I don't believe one, either one is better than the other. We can fill both roles at work or at home. Some we need to manage. Sometimes we even need to boss a little bit as well as we need to lead. And so this episode, we're talking about being a leader. And I just, I, I give those examples of the difference between that and being a manager or a boss, mostly just so we have context. So we're hopefully both, you know, we're talking about, you're hearing the same things that I'm saying, I think is what I'm trying to say that when I talk about being a leader, I'm not talking about the title or the position. I'm talking about the actions that we take and we can lead in lots of different areas. We can lead at work. We can lead at home with our children, with our husband. Uh, we can lead in friendships, uh, in any kind of situation. We can lead by our actions, influencing others for good or ill, um, depending on whether we're intentional about it or not. And we'll talk, we're going to talk here in a minute about how we lead, what are the qualities of a leader, uh, the good qualities. And, um, and I just want to make sure that as we're doing that, we're keeping in mind that although I'll talk probably a lot about at work, these things apply in all areas of our lives. So uh, keeping that in mind. Question that I had as I was working on this, you know, I sat down to kind of brainstorm, what do I want to think about? What do I want to talk about on this topic? And of course, the question came up of, okay, I'm talking about leadership on a productivity podcast for women. It's called The Productive Woman. And of course, I know that that guys listen. Hi, guys. Glad you're here. And so the question, of course, came up in my mind of, is leadership any different for women than it is for men? I think most of the principles apply across the board, but we do find, and I think all of us can can attest to the fact that in our our experience of leadership, there are some different challenges and different approaches and different things for women. But the concepts and the principles that I've have been talking about and am going to be talking about and that I read about in doing my research are the same. They apply the same to men and women. A man can be a manager and a leader or a manager or a leader just as a woman can. I think 
when we talk about leadership for women, and, you know, we can get into statistics, I'm not going to, but, you know, the statistics about as you go up levels in an organization and business or whatever, um, there are fewer and fewer women in those positions. We're going to talk briefly about why that might be, but that's not the point of this episode. I really want to talk about what a leader is, how we can be a better leader in whatever areas of life we're in. For women, maybe for men too, I think this is true really across the board for all of us. The biggest obstacle to being a leader or to being an effective leader is likely to be between our own ears, our own thinking. And um, I'm going to talk just to us as women here. Our own thinking tends to, to get in our way, our thinking about ourselves and our own competence, our own qualifications, our thinking about how other people are going to react to us are thinking about whether we can do this thing or not. You know, some of this is, is that imposter syndrome that we've talked about before we did. There was a whole episode about imposter syndrome back in, in episode 63. And all the research is that women tend to suffer or, you know, experience, I guess, imposter syndrome more than men do. Uh, as a whole, that feeling of that I'm, I'm not as I'm not good enough, my my skills and my comp competency and my qualifications aren't good enough, and people are going to find out pretty soon. And that's something I think we struggle with if we are offered a position of leadership or put into a position of leadership, a lot of will struggle with whether we really are qualified. And that's that imposter syndrome. The statistics are the, and there've been a ton of studies done that highly competent women, professional women, women who we from the outside would look at them and think she has got it all together. So accomplished, so competent, so qualified. Those women struggle with imposter syndrome as well. And women tend to, as a whole, and there are exceptions to every rule, as we know, women tend to underestimate their own skills and qualifications in any area. And so as leaders, it, it, it makes sense that we're going to struggle with that in positions of leadership as well. So that's likely to be the biggest obstacle for us as women to being leaders and being effective leaders. Several articles cite recent studies that have been done that show that women match or even outscore men in several of the traits that are considered to be important leadership qualities. And so it's not that we can't do it, but it's interesting also to, to note that there seems to be a, a fair amount of evidence that one of the reasons fewer and fewer women are in positions of leadership as you, you know, go through the ranks in any profession is because fewer women than men aspire to those highest levels of leadership in business. Sheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In, uh, the subtitle of that book is Women, Work, and the Will to Lead. Uh, and her, she describes in that book, something she calls the women's leadership ambition gap. And it's uh, one article talked about the book. I've read the book. It's very interesting. There's a lot of, I don't, I don't agree with everything she says about what the solution for this is, but there's a lot of really interesting information in this book and a lot of food for thought about 
why women are not represented more equally at the upper levels of leadership, whether in business, government, um, anywhere. So it's well worth reading. And um, anyway, she talks about this thing called the women's leadership ambition gap. And it's defined as the inner obstacles women must overcome to reach higher levels of executive management. So there may be societal and systemic external obstacles to women rising through the ranks. But Sandberg's book talks a lot about the the inner obstacles, the ways we hold ourselves back. And I thought that was really interesting. So that is, I guess, my brief, well, I say, I say brief, not as brief as I intended it to be, thought on whether leadership is different for women. We do experience it differently, I think, for lots of different reasons. And maybe we'll talk about that on another episode. And I, you know, I've thought about, I would love to talk with maybe a small panel of you who are in leadership or uh, who have aspired to leadership, whether in business or in government in other areas, and talk about some of these obstacles, internal and external, and how you've overcome them or how you're dealing with them. If that's something you'd be interested in hearing, or it's uh, a conversation you'd be interested in participating in, would you email me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com and let me know? I, I think this is a, a worthwhile conversation to have. Okay, so getting back to the topic, is leadership different for women? We've, I've shared a couple thoughts about that. We've talked about what leadership is and how it diff- how being a leader is different from some, uh, being a boss or a manager. Well, what are the qualities needed to be a good leader, whether it's in business, in government, in your household, in your community, whatever, what qualities do leaders need to have? We don't have to guess at this because as I said, there's been a ton of research on this and a lot of things written about it, but I think it's interesting to start from before we get into what the research has said when you are thinking about what qualities you would need to be a leader, think about what you would want from or in a leader. What makes you want to follow someone? What qualities do they need to have for you to be enthusiastic about following someone, whether, you know, what in whatever area of life. So for me, as I thought about it, I think for me to follow someone, I want someone who has skill in uh, whatever area we're talking about, knowledge, and a work ethic that I can admire and respect. I think that's important for for me, um, that in order for me to respect someone, whether I'm following them for advice on parenting or the law or any area, it starts with that. I want to feel like they have a certain level of skill and knowledge and definitely a work ethic, that they're not just pontificating from on high, but they get in there and get the work done. Someone that I can admire and respect in that way. And on the other hand, I also am more inclined to follow uh, as a leader, someone who demonstrates respect for me and my contribution. So when we're talking about at work, for instance, the, the leaders that I have been most enthusiastic about following at work have been people 
they were good at what they did, you know, nice people, all those sorts of things. But they also demonstrated not just with words, but demonstrated through their actions that they valued the contribution I was making. They expressed the opinion that I was contributing something of value. And that's important. Even at home, one of the reasons it's easy to follow my husband's leadership is and I, you know, I can't speak for why he lets me, you know, or follows my leadership in certain areas. But for me, it's, it's easy to follow his leadership because he has always shown that he values the contribution I'm making. Um, so, okay. So someone who has skill, knowledge, and a work ethic, I can admire and respect someone who demonstrates respect for me and my contribution in whatever area we're talking about. And someone who also demonstrates a sincere interest in me as a human being that makes it easier for me to follow a leader. If they have those characteristics, I'd be interested to know what, what makes you want to follow someone, uh, because if you can identify those things, then they may be qualities that you want to make sure you develop in yourself if you want to be a leader or are a leader. In addition to sort of your own, our own, um, you know, personal thoughts on what qualities a leader needs to have. As I mentioned, there's been a lot of research done about this. So there are many articles and books that talk about key qualities that leaders need to have. Most of them, well, I can't say most, I read a lot of them in preparing for this episode. And pretty much all of the ones that I read highlighted a lot of the same qualities or characteristics or traits. And so I thought I'd just run through a few of those because whether you are a leader or want to be a leader, you might want to make sure that you're developing these, these traits, I guess. And so the first one kind of relates to something I said about my, my personal opinion on this, and that is competence. A leader needs to have a certain level of competence because it's hard for people to feel motivated to follow someone who doesn't know what she's talking about or he's talking about. So if it's professionally, if it's personally, if it's whatever area, we tend to gravitate towards following people who demonstrate to us that they have a certain level of skill and knowledge in whatever that area might be. Now, it's important to note for those of us who want to be good leaders, uh, or who maybe have an opportunity to step into a leadership role, competence doesn't necessarily mean expertise. You don't have to be the best at doing a certain thing to lead others who are doing it. And all of the experts and the articles that I looked at make this point. It's important to remember it too, because the research is that women tend to hold themselves back from accepting leadership positions or really embracing them because of this very issue. They think they're not good enough to be in a leading role. They hesitate to step into it because they think, well, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not as good at it. My, my skills aren't as good as they ought to be for me to be in this position. So keeping in mind that while competence is important, competence uh, does not mean expertise. You don't have to be the best. It's enough to have a basic level of competency, the basic skills and knowledge that go in whatever area we're talking about. And probably important to know what you don't know, be open to learn and improve, learn even from the, the people that you're leading, 
know who has a higher skill level on the team than you do and empower them to use it. Uh, You know, having competency helps you do that last thing. If you have a basic competence level in the, in an area, whatever it might be, I, you know, um, just pick anything, computer coding, maybe, maybe you're not the best computer coder, but if you have a basic competence level, a basic level of skill and understanding, then you're in a position to communicate with the people on the team who maybe are better at it than you to identify them and to, you know, empower them to do what they do and do it well. That's so key for leadership. So competence is the, one of the first things. Uh, first qualities that a leader needs to have. Second one, I think, and I mean, you could put these in, in all that I'm going to list in any order, but I think this one's pretty high up. You got to have a certain level of confidence, confidence in yourself, in your abilities, the position you've been given, et cetera, and some confidence in those that you're leading. So you've got to have the confidence that it takes to lead in general, to step up and, and take the lead confidence enough to listen to what other people are saying, the people on your team, your peers, the people above you, and to grow from that confidence to let go and to let others shine without feeling threatened. One of the things that uh, can really impair your ability to lead is if you're so, um, you know, you lack confidence in you, in the position that you have, and you feel threatened by anybody else who maybe get some of the attention or get some of the exposure, uh, the, the visibility. We've all had a boss like that, right? That has, if they, they sort of have to take credit for everything. And, and if anybody's getting some kudos for something they've done well, then th- that person feels um, threatened, like, oh, well, maybe she's coming for my job. Well, that, that person's not leading. Leaders need to have confidence that what they're doing is a value and it is not, that value is not lessened if somebody else excels in some way and gets some of the recognition. So competence, confidence, a leader needs vision, the ability to sort of see where we could go from where we are and to communicate that to the rest of us. I think leaders need to have integrity that what they say and what they do line up with, with a certain level of moral value. Uh, Leaders need some discipline to do the things that need to be done, to make the hard decisions, to develop the habits that they're going to need in order to accomplish the things they need to do as leaders. I think leaders also need to have some flexibility and, and some perspective. They need the, by flexibility, I mean, the ability to, uh, to use an overused term these days, pivot when pivoting is needed to adjust the approach to, to try something new. And the perspective helps us see that there might be something new out there to try. A leader needs to be able to see the big picture where, you know, if you're not in a leadership role, maybe you can be real focused on just the immediate, the task, your piece of it, what you're doing, the immediate tasks that need to be done. But a leader needs to see the big picture where everybody fits into it and recognize how current events and approaches might play out in the future. 
that perspective is important in order to know whether should we keep going down this path, should we keep taking this approach, or should we try something different? So perspective is important. I think a a good leader needs compassion, uh, needs to be aware of the needs and the feelings of the people that they're leading and be able to act in a compassionate way toward them. We talked about that in recent episodes of what compassion is and why it's so important. And I think it's really important in a leader. And finally, communication skills. I say, finally, that's the last one on my list. It's not the last trait that's important for leadership. It's just the last one I'm going to talk about. So this is not a two hour episode, but every article I read, every book I've ever read, um, everything I've ever seen about leadership talks about the importance of communication skills, both talking, how to communicate that vision that you've, you've create, created or seen the perspective that you have, but also, uh, listening skills. So critically important There are a lot of qualities that a good leader will have. These are some, I think, that are key. One writer summed it up this way, and I thought this was really interesting. Leadership is a matter of intelligence, trustworthiness, humaneness, courage, and discipline. And uh, pausing from the quote here, uh, the the writer was talking about the need for all of these things in balance. Uh, all these different characteristics you need to, so a leader needs to have uh, confidence, but needs to be humble, needs to be able to, to give direction and, and set the vision, but also listen to what other people might have to say. So it's a matter of all of these things and summarized in this one as intelligence, trustworthiness, humaneness, courage and discipline. The, the article goes on to say, reliance on intelligence alone results in rebelliousness. Exercise of humaneness alone results in weakness. Fixation on trust results in folly. Dependence on the strength of courage results in violence. Excessive discipline and sternness in command result in cruelty. When one has all five virtues together, each appropriate to its function, then one can be a leader. And I think that's such a great summation of what this means. You need to have these various sort of opposing character traits or qualities and the wisdom to know which one to employ at any given time? When do you need to exercise discipline? When do you need to exercise that humaneness or that compassion? How do you get that mix? And that's the skill it takes. And I don't think it's something you ever say, okay, I've got it all figured out. Now I'm the perfect leader, but an awareness like so much else that we talk about on this show, it, it starts with awareness that these things are important and then an intentional approach to developing them in our, ourselves and learning how to, to know when to use each one. So a few thoughts about applying all of this. There's kind of two ways to look at leadership. One is if you want to be a leader, maybe you've, you're, you're hoping for a promotion at work, or you want to be a leader in an area in your community or something. So I want to talk a couple of things about 
things that we can do if you want to be a leader and you don't consider that you're one yet. And then we'll kind of finish up with some suggestions, some approaches, some strategies for those of us who are already in a position of leadership and how we can be effective at it. So that's where we're kind of going from here. So if you want to be a leader, my question for you to consider is how do you become a leader? Do you have to wait for someone to say you're a leader or can you choose to lead regardless of your title? Sometimes you can probably guess that my answer would be the latter, that we can lead regardless of what our title is. And this is true at work or at home or anywhere else. We don't have to wait for someone to tap us on the shoulder and say, congratulations, now you're a leader. If you are promoted to a management type position, then hope, then, then it becomes even more important for you to develop and exercise the qualities of leadership, but you can demonstrate those qualities before anyone ever gives you a title. And I would venture to say that doing so if done in the right way can only help your possibilities of being promoted and being given a formal leadership position that you'd like to have. So we don't have to wait, whether it's at work or home or anywhere else, for someone to give us a title in order to lead. Remember that one key aspect of leadership is influence. And we can and do influence others no matter what our role is or theirs is. We can simply choose to be conscious of how we're using our influence. So whether it's at work or anywhere else, if you want to be a leader, you can start to be a leader, start to pay attention to, are you just going with the flow? In terms of the mood, for instance, the morale at work, are you absorbing what everybody else is, is putting out there and just going along with the crowd if the morale is bad, or could you choose to take the lead in that and not by announcing, all right, y'all, I'm going to be the leader now, follow me, but simply by choosing your actions and your words uh, in such a way as to exercise a positive influence on the, the people around you, the, and the environment that you're in. And again, this applies at work. It, it applies in our household. It applies in the community. It, it can apply in pretty much any uh, interaction that you have with other human beings. So think about that. We can choose to intentionally and consciously exercise those leadership qualities. And again, I would not recommend announcing in your house or in your church or in the groceries or whatever, I'm the leader now, follow me, but simply be intentional about the words that you choose, the actions that you choose, and the way they can influence others in a positive way. If you're doing that, you are leading no matter what your title is. So that's something to think about how you become a leader. I think, I think we become a leader by deciding we're going to lead and, and then doing the things that leaders do. Um, some of the challenges of transitioning to a leadership role, and this, this kind of relates to one of the 
comments that was made in the Productive Woman Community Facebook group that led me to start thinking about this episode a few weeks ago. Uh, what happens if you become a leader, you, you are promoted at work and put into a, a new role at, in management? What are, how do you deal with some of those trend, those, um, challenges of that transition? And I would love to hear your thoughts on this because again, I'm not an expert, but I think one of the key challenges is learning to see yourself in this new role, finding your way to the confidence that you have what it takes to lead overcoming that imposter syndrome. And you can go back and look at the, uh, listen, uh, listen to the episode where we talked about that in the past, the link will be in the show notes for this one, or you can just search on the website for imposter syndrome and it'll come up. Um, and there are lots of materials out there to help us with that, the mindset piece of seeing ourselves as belonging in that role that we're in. I think it starts there. All the other stuff comes out of how we are thinking about it. And so learning to think of yourself as a leader, a manager, whatever, you know, whatever the title is, learning to give yourself credit for having uh, what it takes to fulfill that role and then moving forward from there. One of the other challenges uh, and, and that came up in the conversation in the Facebook group was dealing with former peers. So what happens if you're promoted and now you are um, supervising or managing people that you used to be on the same level with? And I'm not surprised to find that there's a ton of stuff out there about that as well. Uh, and I'll have links in the show notes to several really good articles with lots of tips. The challenge as one article in the Harvard Business Review put it was, you need to establish your credibility and authority without acting like the promotion's gone to your head. And that's really what it comes down to. You don't want to come on so strong that all your, you know, former peers are aggravated at, at you and, and won't listen to you, or maybe even try to undermine you to, you know, knock you off your pedestal a little bit. So, and yet you've got to show, uh, you know, establish the authority that goes with the position. So the, this Harvard business review article and several others that I read suggested some tips for dealing with that challenge, that particular challenge. And the number one suggestion was communicate well, um, first starting right from when it's the announcement is made, work with your supervisors and HR about how to best let your peers and everybody else know of the transition to your new role. Uh, so communication is key. Second one, they said, this article says tread lightly at first. So by that, they mean don't immediately start making massive changes that'll make it look like you're just trying to throw your weight around. Instead, they suggest identify some small decisions, some small changes you can make right away, uh, but defer the big ones for a bit until things have settled down and you can start to get feedback from the team members about the things you want to change or the things you want to do differently. Third one is to establish your authority. You need to do that. You've, you're now in a new role. You, again, you can't just announce, Hey, I'm your boss now. Um, you know, authority goes with a position, but respect has to be earned, I think. And so one of the suggestions that several of the like HR type people and, and executive consultant type experts made was, 
in the early weeks of this new position, meet with each individual on the team to talk with them about how you plan to lead. Um, you know, then you, you start to establish yourself in that position, but they also suggest don't just talk. You need to listen to one of the experts suggests asking each individual, what can I do to make you more successful? This is so consistent with that other key leadership trait that of, of focusing on the people rather than the processes. Uh, the experts all suggest if uh, distancing yourself a little bit. So if you've been in the habit of going out after work for a happy hour with all your peers, maybe you don't go now for a while or you, you know, maybe you stop in and have one drink and then you leave and let them continue on. You have to, uh, all the experts say this is important to distance yourself a little bit they, they seem to agree that you can't be, you know, the buddy going forward that you might've been in the past in part to avoid the appearance of favoritism as decisions are made. And they all recommend, one of them says it this way, remain approachable, but show through your behavior that you are now their manager. So you got to distance yourself uh, from your, your former peers a little bit. Um, but at the same time, Start building connections with your new peers. So the other people at, at, in the company that are at your level or above, uh, maybe start connecting with them as well. And the other, I guess, bit of advice for someone who's transitioning to a leadership role is watch for other leaders whose approach and accomplishments you admire. Um, and don't copy them, but watch them and learn from what they do. What are they doing that you can adapt to your own style? And that's a, an informal kind of mentorship thing where you see someone who's doing uh, what you need to do in a way that you admire and you learn from them. And you can see way back in episode 34 of The Productive Woman, we did an episode about mentors and mentoring. And there's a lot of suggestions there. So for that, those are things to think about for someone who wants to become a leader or who is about to be promoted into a new leadership position. If you're already a leader in the sense of being in a leadership role at work or in an organization, how can you be a more productive leader, a more effective leader? Um, and we talked about some of this in the workplace productivity episode, just, um, just a couple weeks ago, or a few weeks ago, episode 258. There uh, were, were some things in that episode about how leaders or managers can make the workplace more productive and more conducive to productivity. Check those out. There are also links in that article or in that, in the show notes for that episode about that topic. Um, one of the things to keep in mind is if you want your team to be productive, and this is true, whether you're at at work, in a volunteer organization or at home, you need to be productive personally. You need to model what that means to be productive, to be organized, to be, you know, to manage your time well. Whatever those things are that you want them to do, you need to model that. You need to be productive personally, as well as promoting the productivity of the team, the family, the business, the organization, whatever. Leading by example when it comes to personal or professional productivity, because people watch what we do to see if it lines up with what we say. So be a role model, walk the walk, don't just talk the talk. That's so key to being a truly productive leader. 
And of course, develop excellent communication skills, both verbal and nonverbal, not just what you say, but how you say it and your body language and your facial expression. All those things matter as you are interacting with uh, your team or your family. And, and I'm using the word team loosely. It could be your family. We, we all can be- benefit from this if we want to lead in a more productive way. Um, every expert I read stresses the importance of communication as a leadership skill, not just talking, but also active, effective listening. So this is a key skill that we, we as a leader need Uh, if we're in a leadership position in order to actually lead and not just manage or boss, I guess is my point. So if you are weak in this area, get some training or coaching. And if you're not sure if you're weak in this area, ask your team, they'll tell you. (laughs) So, so really a key, uh, quality that you need to, we need to develop just a few leadership strategies, I guess. I wanted to talk about a couple of things. If you, if you are leading, whether in business or home or wherever styles of leadership, one article talked, actually a couple different articles talked about the differences between transformational leadership versus transactional leadership. And I would uh, kind of looking at all of this categorize transactional leadership or as the management type that we talked about earlier and what they do. Transactional leaders, this one article was called Women in Leadership, Six Strategies for Female Managers. Really, really good. Look for the link in the show notes and check that one out. Um, They said transactional leaders often remain uninvolved, just kind of giving directions from on high and engaging with their subordinates only or primarily just to give orders and get after them and hold them accountable when expectations aren't met. They are bosses or managers focused on those goals or processes or results rather on the, than on the people. Now, on the other hand, this article, this one article said, um, transformational leaders aim to enhance the motivation, morale, and job performance of followers by working with teams to identify needed change, to create a shared vision and to guide through inspiration. I thought this was so good. And this is relevant. I I hope you can see how this is relevant, not just in business, but at home. If you want to be a transformational leader, at home or in, you know, in your church or in the community, it's not about just giving orders and saying you need to do this, but what your motivation is and what you're trying to do. And so I'm going to read this again, because this is going to be relevant. We're going to be talking in an upcoming episode about uh, helping our, our families become more productive and how to, how to deal with things at home. If, if productivity doesn't seem to be as important to the other people in the household, this right here is so key to this. So let me, let me read it again. Transformational leaders aim to enhance the motivation, morale, and job performance of followers by working with teams, whatever that team may be, to identify needed change, create a shared vision, and guide through inspiration. Another writer said that transformational leaders are not just concerned about helping the group achieve its goals. They also care about helping each member of the group reach his or her full potential. Again, this applies in business. It also applies at home. Now, the good news is that according to quite a few studies, women tend to use this transformational style of leadership 
more than the transactional style. And they can leverage that inclination by taking some very intentional approaches. And so that uh, women in leadership article suggested things like purposely focus on development rather than goals. That is help your team whether it's employees or your kids or your husband or whatever, help them develop into better people that is developing the skills, the characteristics, et cetera, that will lead to greater success in leading, in achieving goals. So we can have a goal in mind and just single-mindedly focus on the goal and, and like herd the cats toward that goal, or we can focus on what qualities do the team members need to have? What skills do they need to have? What approaches do we need to develop in order to accomplish that goal and focus on developing those skills and character traits and all those things? The article recommends that to do this, you invest the time and intention a time and attention in the individuals on your team. You got to know them in order to know what they're good at and how best to lead them. Um, emphasize teamwork and authentic communication in lean in Cheryl Sandberg recommends that to foster authentic communication, we've got to welcome it and model it by asking for feedback, accepting that feedback and publicly thanking those who give, who are honest in their feedback. Now she also urges keeping a balance and factoring in appropriate consideration for people's feelings. As she puts it, be delicately honest, not brutally honest. Um, finally, focus on individual strengths and steer tasks toward the people who are good at them. The way the, article, the writer put it, rather than delegating work based on time or workload, learn what each member of your team is naturally good at and enjoys and give them as much work as possible that fits that. And again, this requires spending time with them to know them well, what they're good at and what they enjoy doing, and then having the confidence and the, you know, the foresight to steer that kind of stuff to them because people are going to be happy if they're spending as much of their time as, as is reasonable doing things they enjoy and that they're good at. So those are just some tips, some strategies that you can take as a leader in whatever arena you're in, in order to be an effective leader. Obviously we've just scratched the surface here and we've spent more time doing that than I intended to. I would love to know what you think, because I think this is an ongoing conversation we're going to want to have, um, in maybe future episodes, maybe in the, in the community Facebook group, and maybe we'll do a video chat, a video, um, you know, kind of a call where people can, we can all join in and have a conversation about it. I'd love to know what you think. What does leadership mean to you? What are your struggles with, with leading or with leadership or your best tips for people that are leaders that maybe I didn't touch on here? I'd love to hear from you. You can share your ideas or your questions in the comment section of the show notes at theproductivewoman.com slash 264. And again, that's where you'll find um, the comment section, but also links to the articles I mentioned and a bunch of other resources and also links to, uh, for the sponsor. So if you're driving and you, you want to check out one of the sponsors and you don't remember what that link was, 
You just go to theproductivewoman.com slash 264. You'll find it all there. Of course, you can feel free to, to post a comment or question in the Productive Woman Community Facebook group if you're a member there or on the Facebook page. If you'd rather share your thoughts on this topic with me privately, you can email your comments, questions, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. And I'd love to hear from you. to thank those of you who have helped in spreading the word about the productive woman. It's been such a privilege to see the, uh, the community grow. And whenever I get feedback from any of you, or I see the conversations going on in the Facebook group, it's just, uh, it's just such an honor. And so continue to tell your friends who you think might be interested about the podcast and show them how to subscribe. I want to say a quick thank you to Morning Mindfulness from the United States who recently left a five-star review of the of uh, the productive woman in Apple podcasts with a little note that she that says this is full of the realness that is not cookie cutter but genuinely helpful. And thank you Morning Mindfulness. I that made my day to read that. Okay. And a quick word before we go, and I know this has been a little bit long, but in this episode, we talked about the importance of continuous learning and developing the skills you need to be a productive leader, whether skills in your subject area or, you know, communication skills, any of that sort of thing. One way to learn is by reading or listening to excellent books. And there are tons of them. But when your days are full, it can be hard to find time to sit down and read either for pleasure or to learn to work on personal development. There's an app that addresses this challenge. It's called Blinkist and I recommend it. And they are one of the sponsors for this episode. Blinkist quickly, it takes the key takeaways from thousands of nonfiction books, condenses them down into content you can read or listen to in just 15 minutes. Blinkist makes it easy to finish a book during your commute, on your lunch break, or while you exercise. Uh, And they have a massive and growing library from self-help, business, health, to history books. Um, Eight million people use it. I'm one of them. I was using it earlier today. Uh, They have the latest titles from the bestsellers list, as well as classic nonfiction titles you always meant to read, but never had time to. I love using Blinkist to check out kind of the key concepts from books that I think look interesting so I can decide whether to read the whole book. Recently in the Blinkist app on my phone, I read the Blinks for a book called Ask For It. This is a book about negotiation for women by Linda Babcock and Sarah LeChevre, and I recommend it. It looked really good. I got some really helpful insights and tips just in that 15 minutes, and I look forward to reading the full book soon. I also used uh, Blinkist to refresh my thinking on books I've read in the past, such as Sheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In, which I mentioned in this episode, and I used Blinkist to review the book's key points in preparation for the episode. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want, and all for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist is uh, offering something special just for the Productive Woman listeners. 
If you go to Blinkist.com slash TPW, you can try Blinkist free for seven days. Listen to or read as many of these condensed books as you want to. And if you decide to describe or subscribe, you'll save 25% off your new subscription. So that's Blinkist. It's spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Blinkist.com slash TPW to start your free seven-day trial and to save 25% off your subscription, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash TPW. And if you're pursuing goals that involve professional development, such as leadership skills or management skills, remember that special offer from the University of California, Irvine's Division of Continuing Education. Visit ce.uci.edu slash productive woman and enter the promo code for uh, TPW for 15% off one course. Now is a great time to invest in yourself and your career, but this offer is only valid until 11.59 p.m. on December 31st, 2019. And thank you so much to Blinkist and UCI for supporting the Productive Woman podcast. And that's it for this episode of The Productive Woman. Thank you so much for spending this time with me and for sticking with me as I share some thoughts on leadership. I hope you found something in this episode that's helpful to you. I do look forward to talking with you very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter.